2: Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports, joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's episode, we're going to recap the United States Women's National Team versus New Zealand, a two-game friendly. We're going to recap that second match and give our overall thoughts on the uh the success of the trip to new zealand hello and good morning if you're joining us in the live a quick reminder to subscribe to us on youtube please give our videos a thumbs up youtube.com slash attacking third get exclusive uswnt content previews recaps interviews all here on a3 lisa winner winner love a monday morning victory how you doing today buddy
0: uh, it's it's a good Monday morning for sure. It was a good Sunday morning too because we had the birds on Saturday night. They get a solid victory over yep. the loser Giants. I'm so happy to say that, proud and loud. And now we get to move on. Uh, we also we just talked about it before we went live watching San Francisco last night um, and the Cowboys. So um, yeah, it's a good day to be a Philadelphia Eagles fan. And uh, I'm hoping to just like carry it into. This week coming up and next weekend, because if my emotions are about to this show and my like demeanor on this show is about to really um, hit to overdrive if uh, we don't keep winning at this point. But um, yes, oh, it's it a great is. Monday morning because of that. Go birds. Uh, really, really happy about it. I, I'm hoping that you're cheering for the Eagles in your heart, Sandra, or out loud or wherever you can, because hey, at, at, it's not the Cowboys.
2: Look, at least not the Cowboys. And look, I'm, I'm always rooting for the homies and uh, got to live through you because there's tons of sadness when it comes to uh, NFL out here in Chicago. And uh, yeah, it was a great, great weekend. I was thinking of you the whole the whole time. And of course, I was like, you know, I'm opening up with like Eagles energy. I'm. You've got me dying.
0: Loser Giants. Oh, <laughs> what a great. Jack, too. Thank you. I love this. Owen, go birds. Uh, yep, we got the yep. loser giants. Um, people are congratulating me in That's so funny. Uh, this is awesome. I love it. Yes, tap the essence of Nick Foles. Hey, we can do anything now. Um, we're we're ready. We're, we're <laughs> Philadelphia. Um Craig. Like- I,
2: what a great! I love it. Let's <laughs> let's channel all that what great energy to kick off this episode. Oh my goodness! Uh, let let's just hop right into it. It has concluded. The United States Women's National Team January camp is over. Two games against New Zealand, the co-host of the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup. The first game, United States women's national team defeated New Zealand 4-0. A little bit of a tale of two situation. We did a recap uh, all about that. Y'all can definitely go check it out when you get a chance. But let's talk about this second game, Lisa. We previewed this, uh, and we wanted to talk a little bit about some things that we could possibly see from game one to game two, whether they were just you know, massive player rotations or minor adjustments. Um, what was that middle third going to look like after um, the arrangement between U.S. soccer and Olympic Lyon was complete? Lindsay Horan, unavailable for the second game, headed back over to France to be with her club team. We knew right away, like, hey, there's going to be an opportunity here to maybe see some, some different things and some different looks here in this middle third, in this second game. I closed out that preview, Lisa, with a big burning question. I said, who is one player you're going to want to see get time in this second game? And if you don't see them, you're going to be a little upset about it. And you said, Sam Coffee, let's run down this starting 11 and talk a little bit about it. When the starting 11 initially dropped, dropped as followed. It had uh, Swanson, Morgan, Rodman at the top line, Sanchez, Sullivan, Lavelle for the middle third, and Dunn, Germa, Cook, to and Murphy to round out the starting 11. During warm-ups, Alex Morgan, a late scratch with uh, what was referred to as lower leg tightness, and Ashley Hatch slotted in her place, which was kind of cool to see. We talked a little bit about that in the preview Of that Mm -hmm. first game and the recap of that first game, because Ashley Hatch was unavailable. She was not dressed for that first game. Uh, Maybe, you know, navigating a little bit of a preseason knock of of her own, but was able to slot in for Morgan uh, in this second game. Your thoughts when you saw this lineup drop?
0: Uh, Well, I I initially saw it with Morgan right in the starting lineup, and we didn't find out until about 20 minutes before kickoff that it was going to be hatch slotting in there. But um, I I liked this lineup, right? I like that we're seeing, excuse me, a little a switch up for Black, Black Manonofsky and this team, because we talked yeah. about it. How much rotation were we going to see? How how many minutes were players like Rodman and Sanchez that were super subs in the first friendly, were they going to be rewarded with their incredible performance in that first match uh, with the start? I said, no. I said, no, I think that he's going to work on slowly building these players back in and, and we'll see them be those super subs that come in. Um, and I was wrong and I love to be wrong. In situations like that because Rodman ends up earning her third career start um, and she is slotted across the top line, and she's playing alongside Ashley Sanchez. And initially, I I love that because these are two players, Sanchez and Rodman, that play together in NWSL and club for Washington Spirit. So they've got such a great chemistry. Then with the late scratch on Alex Morgan, you throw in Ashley Hatch in that front line. That's another Washington Spirit player. Then Andy Sullivan in the midfield. You've got four Starting players from Washington Spirit, starting in your U.S. lineup, um, all in the same area of the field. And frankly, I was excited to see kind of what would translate from club play to international play and then being alongside someone like Mallory Swanson, um, who definitely deserved the start. I think uh, across the back line between Dunn, Gurma, Cook, and Huerta, nothing too, too surprising there. I think I had predicted Dunn, Gurma, Cook, and Fox. Uh, but to see where to get that start on the right side, the right outside back, that's more her position than it is Emily Fox's at this point. So not at all surprised at that. But um, I was a little a little curious to see Casey Murphy in between the six in goal for the U.S. because I had wanted to see A.D. French there. I did. Um, I understand that Casey Murphy has has been in these camps and has um, been one of the goalkeepers that black is developing to be that number two behind Alyssa Nair. And then before we knew it, A.D. French was back in the mix because of her incredible season with Kansas City in the NWSL. So I, I think that between Casey Murphy and A.D. French, there's probably some things going on behind the scenes in, in terms of like competition for that spot. And I think it's really, really good, that competition to fight for that number two spot. But um, that was one that I was a little bit like, OK, Murphy's there, not A.D. Because I really did. I wanted to see French. What about you, Sandra, when you initially saw this? What do you think?
2: think i'm with you i think we we talked about it a little bit in the preview and, and players that we were hoping to sort of um see in this starting 11 ones that we thought would maybe get to build on their performances from that first game 100 with you and and the goalkeeping uh position thought maybe we would get uh french a, a game like this um just just for a number of reasons i mean it's it's the fir- it was the first couple of of matches to kick off 2023 um going up against new zealand listen yeah we talked about that as well the opposition that they were facing to to kick off um their new year they're yes they're a, a top 25 ranked team but in terms of the overall record against the united states it's it's not great it's it's a team that they you know the united states has their number right this is this is a team that uh, typically um you know it was on it's on the losing end of of going up against the united states and i believe the last time they that one draw that they got against them was was way like in a completely different era of uh both of the programs uh existence uh so i, I thought, hey, maybe these are the couple of games that maybe you give one of them or a full 45-minute shift to somebody like uh, an AD French, a player who has typically been in that number two role, who's someone who has been part of this goalkeeping union for quite some time, um, and really kind of made her way back uh, into this group sort of post-Tokyo Olympic Games, where we didn't really see her anymore after that post-Olympic tour, and then going on this incredible run with Kansas City current and just sort of, you know, forcing, pressing the issue, like you can, like this player can no longer be part of this extended pool. Right. So I thought maybe we would see, um, you know, a player like her could get some time, but we we saw the, the full 90 go uh, to Murphy. Not too surprised to see Dunn uh, in that back line. I know we mentioned at one point, like, you know, is this a player that they're going to like kind of ease in? But the, I think the timeline of it all, there's not a lot of time to sort of ease in a player uh, like Dunn. She is someone who probably wants to also get acclimated as quickly um, as possible with the about a six month buildup out to the world cup. So her getting the start, you know, the ability to go a full, another second consecutive full 45 from game one to game two. um, Mm -hmm. Wasn't too surprising. And I love to see it um, because we talked about that in the preview. I said that that's, that position belongs to, to Crystal Dunn um, when she's essentially like ready to come back in and and keep going and, and, and continue to get the minutes. Um, that's that's hers. Um, so with her ran out and then with that late game scratch, that those are the areas and the positions that really intrigued me. Um, because those game changers that came in from game one were getting the, the starts in this game too. So, uh, you know, a Ashley Sanchez or, or a Trinity Rodman. And it was like, seriously, you, you said there were four of the four spirit yeah. players uh, in this starting 11. It was absolutely United spirits all the way. Um, But it was very, very cool to see that. I was very interested in seeing um, the progression of a game from younger players like a sanchez or rodman i think maybe there's a little bit of a false narrative out there around these players when it comes to the national team in terms of players who um, are mainly utilized off the bench. So mm-hmm. they need to come in and make that spark immediately. What could they look like? Or maybe they are unable to build over the course of, a, of longer minutes. And that is not the case at all. I think they showed that again in a game like this. I think they got things started pretty pretty early.
0: Yeah, I agree completely, especially when we're almost comparing it to the first match. I mean, we are comparing it to the first match because it's 2023. It's our first two matches. It's against the same competition. And the biggest message and the biggest takeaway from the United States first game against New Zealand was it was a slow, disjointed start. It was a really slow start. So that was something that I think everyone was paying attention to in this second match and the fact that there were um, some younger players in the starting lineup and and players that are looking to prove themselves. The first thing I noticed in the opening five minutes was that it was not a slow start. They turned that around immediately. And that was something I was Really impressed and happy to see in watching this because in the opening five minutes, Mallory Swanson, she gets in behind, she gets opportunities on goal. She gets um, in front of goal, looking at chances, balls across the back line. Uh, we, We could see pretty much in the first 10 minutes what the game plan was for the United States. Can they get the ball wide, utilize the width of the field much more than they did in the first game against football ferns, get the ball wide down and early crosses in because as you have runners like Swanson, Rodman, uh, Hatch running at the New Zealand back line and New Zealand is also running towards their own goal that's when you want those curling crosses in behind the back line and that's what we saw in the opening five minutes one or two of them already happening uh, before we actually see players getting on the end of it it was like Ironing out some of those kinks in the first 10 minutes in terms of like just getting on the end of it and and making contact with it. Uh, but the chances were there. Right. Like to open this game. And, and that's what I was really, really pleased to see the quick start and the quick turnaround for this team. Um, I think it's also important to note we talked about the starting lineups. Alex Morgan initially um, dubbed with being the captain for this game, but during yeah. because of her late game scratch, it ends up going to Rose Lavelle. And for Rose Lavelle to be the captain of this game, it was so telling. She She dominated this game. Yeah. She controlled it. She was the captain of not just the United States, but of the entire field. Every player on the field, she controlled everything that happened.
2: It was uh it was like when we were talking about this first the first game. We were like, oh, this is you know, you're you're two different 45, you know, tailor two halves kind of scenario, mm-hmm. uh preseason kind of vibes, kicking the rust off energy. Um, but this game just felt a little bit more complete and you didn't have as much disjointedness in that first in the first after in the second game that we did the first. But let's let's keep that energy going with, with Lavelle here because this this part, this Middle third of the pitch is is what was really intriguing to me as we continued to watch this game uh, over the course of the 90 minutes. Watching Lavelle, yes, Captain Arnsbag, that was cool to see her get it. But watching her sort of like, like you said, sort of run the show here yeah. and seeing her drop lower. Uh, mm-hmm. while allowing Sanchez to just sort of you know giving a player like Sanchez that that kind of freedom to, to to play higher and kind of be that initial playmaker at times. I just sort of felt like it almost didn't take anything away from what Roosevelt can actually do. And I was just like, God, like this is she's such a good player yep. that even if she's dropping lower, it's almost like you're she's, not it felt like they're not losing anything in the uh,
0: the, right, attack or right. the creativity has- from her. Rose has still a massive impact on the game, even if she's not uh, being that fourth forward running forward. And she did allow Ashley Sanchez to do that, which uh, that's what she does for club. That's what her traditional role is Sanchez with this United States national team. So Rose was the one as the veteran, as the captain that Black and tasks with, Hey, drop a little bit deeper, play that eight, not so much of a 10 in the midfield. And Lavelle's a f- Like effectiveness in being able to be that role was. Tremendous! She played it better than we've seen Lindsay Horan play it most recently. And I think that's something that's uh, interesting and probably poses a lot of questions to Black at this point, because without Lindsay Horan, there had to be a little bit of movement and that was Rose who stepped up to the plate and she ends up getting a brace in this game. She also gets an assist in this game. She ran the show completely. was the entire playmaker and was contributing on the stat sheet.
2: Yeah. I, uh, it wasn't too surprised to see the goals come in uh, or at least a couple of goals come in, in the first half. I, I think that was going to be probably the biggest <laughs> one of the biggest changes from that game one to game two. That yes, essentially you're looking at these score lines and you see two blowouts, right? But they both mm-hmm. happened in two very different ways. And the games in yeah. which uh, the score lines and the games in which they happened, like were two very completely, completely different games. So to see this uh, a ballooned kind of scoreline in this one, it was a, a five-zero. I was like, and in, in my prediction, I like mentioned that in on .com. I was like, you know, I think they'll actually get one more. Like, I think not only are they going to get goals in this first yeah. half, I think they're actually going to get five of them. Um, and we saw that. That's exactly what we saw in, in this game. I mean, we saw a beautiful goal in the 22nd minute and and another really great goal to sort of close out this first half in the 39th minute. So we have this, like, lovely sort of, like, Washington spirit-crafted <laughs> goal, you know, sort of spearheaded by by a veteran like Don. You sort of see her winning these balls on – along the left side it was you love again you love to see it great to have crystal done back but yeah. you saw this like great quick ball moving you saw hatch feed rodman rodman taking this this ball near nearly end line uh but but just sort of the quick reaction from a player like this i just love that rodman is this she has this sort of aura of like kind of the the winger that isn't afraid of the pass right. it's a la- it's a layer of selflessness that I don't think you see too often from a lot of young players. You know, sometimes you get right. a lot of young players who are trying to, to get the stat right. Or trying to, to, to make sure that they're on, on the end of, of, of the goal. But this is a player um, who's only in her second or who's only going to be in her third season with the spirit um, at a club level and really only her second year with the national yeah. team. And, We're just seeing like a layer of selflessness from this player that I really, really appreciate. So you see the sort of quick reaction to open up the goal and Hatch nets it away. I thought it was like a phenomenal goal to sort of open up the goal scoring in this
0: one. I think you said it best with Trinity Rodman. It's a level of selflessness that we don't typically see in such a young player. I mean, this was her third U.S. start. With this international roster, and she ends up getting um, her third assist in two games to open this, and, and it's the opening goal that Rodman gets the assist, and it's the the way that it unfolds is very typical of Trini Rodman. It's it's her bread and butter. It's what she wants. She wants the ball wide in the wings areas with defenders closing in around her, and she's got incredible vision to understand where her runners are, where the ball needs to be placed. So she curls it in perfectly into Hatch. Uh, I think Swanson is is on the back post, sliding for it, looking to get it as well. And it ends up going to Hatch, who gets there first. And to me, that it made me smile because not only was the buildup of the play incredible, and and that's what we want to see and have a lot of consistency with, but there were two runners on the back post ready for the ball. So if Hatch missed it, Swanson would have been there. And if Swanson missed it, Hatch would have been there. Like That was Crucial to see. Now, can they stagger their runs a little bit? That way they're not the exact same. (laughs) But, you know, there was
2: almost there were almost a couple of moments
0: where like they you thought they were going to run into each other. I mean, that first goal, they were almost exact run. But also (laughs) they're both going for the ball. Right. They both are are looking for it. it. Um, And then to see kind of uh, the continuation of this first half. Um, and the U.S. to keep their foot on their pedal, as you mentioned, just before the 40-minute mark, Rose Lavelle ends up getting um, her goal, her 23rd career goal, off of a great ball from Sofia Huerta. It was so beautifully placed from Huerta floating in over the top behind the back yeah. line. And, and that's Hatch here at this moment, makes that near post penalty spot run and ends up drawing two of the New Zealand defenders, which leaves Rose Lavelle wide open on the late run on the back uh, the side for Lavelle. And she volleys it one time into the net. It was fantastic to see. And I think in the buildup of these two goals, I know you mentioned Crystal Dunn, who, who was fantastic in this game but also I think Andy Sullivan we saw a different side of her she was a little bit higher up the pitch as well she was a little bit more engaged offensively into the attack for this team. Um, having maybe the confidence to understand that Rose Lavelle was going to cover for her, playing a little bit deeper, and and Rose being as quick as she is and as talented as she is, uh, allowed Andy a little bit more freedom to, to push up and be that player to be attacking in the defensive third and, and to have six and seven attackers versus just five or four moving forward. And that's what we saw because that's how these first two goals unfolded. And before you know it, it's two nil and we're heading into halftime for the U S and it was, it was a good first half.
2: It was one of those first halves where it's just like, okay, they got, they looked better from that first game. And not only did they look better, they put together a couple of really great goals to give them the early lead uh, coming into the locker room. And it just sort of felt like when they were going to come into the second half that you knew there were going to be more goals. Like that was the kind of energy that you were left with after watching that first 45. And I loved that for this team, a little again a little bit different um from that that first half during the first game because with the first game we saw like a four player substitution to start yeah. off the second half in that first game and with this second game that wasn't necessarily the case if anything there were there were two substitutions yes but these substitutions also felt like your typical kind of like game planned type of substitutions we had emily Mm -hmm. fox coming in for crystal dunn and you had emily sonnet coming in for naomi (laughs) gear i said i said are we are we going to see Emily Sonnet in this game, and B, if we do, we're gonna see her at center back. I don't yeah. know if, if they can keep her, you know, as someone who's like one of those outside back positions. I think you've got two players who have made the case to keep getting minutes at those positions and someone like a Sophia, uh, Sophia Huerta and an Emily Fox. And now with Crystal Dunback, I'm not too sure if that's where you're utilizing someone like an Emily Sonnet, but we see her come in. For Naomi Germa, Germa, who exited uh, this January camp with uh two sh- two forty-five minute shifts um, within uh, within the two games, and two starts, uh, and two starts, and two starts. So I, I got to ask you, like, what what did you think of, of this sub coming in, and where did it catch you off a little bit?
0: So the the done substitute uh, only forty-five for Crystal Dunn, not at all surprising. We talked about her being on minute management and building her back in, and and good to see Emily Fox get a shift again, right? I think that's kind of the eyes that Black Widonofsky is looking at between that left back. And it's just, if Crystal Dunn can get back up to fitness, ability and things like that. Um, when I saw Emily Sonnet coming in for Naomi Gurma, I was um, shocked. I, I was, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. We it, The fact that Sonnet playing in that center back, it, it makes sense because she's not going to play in the outside back in, in this type of situation. But I also don't think there's that much room for her in the center back position. I think that this was maybe a test uh, for Sonnet, because this is the first time we saw Sonnet as she did come back from injury. Um, so getting minutes in this game, this was her 70th career cap and her first since July 14th um, during the W championship. So this is a player that's also looking to work their, themselves back in. And I just I would not play Emily Sonnet over Naomi Gurma moving forward, right? This is a friendly, this is where you're looking to get yeah. minutes, but, but Gurma outplays Sonnet every single time. So that's, a, it's not a, it's not a question about. <laughs> I think Gurma outplays any of the center backs at this right. moment. Right. Yeah. So I, I mean, it was just a little interesting. I think that Gurma, maybe I would have liked to see Gurma and Sonnet. Over Gurma or over Sonnet and Cook, which is what we did see. Um, but I think that Sonnet and Cook allowed for both of them to kind of have their strengths and their weaknesses between Sonnet and Cook because Gurma, uh, like we said, just will outshine anyone. So then it, it provides a balance between Cook and, and Sonnet in there. but. Um, but yeah, that was something that was a little bit interesting for me to see. But the, as the second half got rolling, there was opportunities and opportunities and opportunities. Um, Swanson playing really good balls in. <clears throat> Brodman also crossing really good mm. balls in. Hatch getting on the end of a lot of them, trying to redirect. Hatch so close, so close at the start of the second half, which almost getting one.
2: No, they they really they really got things going in the second half. Three more goals came for this team in the second half. We're gonna talk about them and break them down right after a quick break.
0: Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third. I'm always traveling for work, but I also love to be active, playing soccer every chance I get. Finding the balance between being comfy, looking cute, and also being dressed to be active has never been easier with Viore. Fiori is so versatile. It can be used for any activity, running, yoga, swimming, but it's also great for lounging or traveling. My favorite product is the pants that I actually never take off, the Women's Performance Jogger. They're designed with the softest premium dream knit stretch fabric. Viore helps me feel good about the things I buy and how they are made because Viore is 100% offsetting their carbon footprint, utilizing better sustainable materials for their products to empower your best active life. Viori is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they're offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at Viori.com slash soccer. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash soccer.
1: And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.
2: All right, let's close out this second game against New Zealand for the United States Women's National Team. Talking about these, uh, this backline specifically. Uh, Emily Sonnet, Emily uh, and Emily Fox coming into the match as halftime substitutions and and look let's let's lean into uh, Emily Fox a little bit one of these players making their impact immediately on the pitch coming into this yeah. game was a player that was uh, essential to <laughs> what was ultimately the third goal for the United States women's national team. We saw her grab the ball on the left flank, was able to, to carry up uh nearly end line and just sort of sent in the beauty of a cross. And it was one of those balls uh, ball-ins that you're looking at and you're like, where is this going to go? Who's this going to land yeah. to? What's going to happen? It's It was one of those sort of chaos-creating type of services into the box, which you'd love to see from... Yeah you're attacking kind of outside backs. But you you see this ball kind of get to to Trinity Rodman at one point, but a New Zealand defender scrambled for a block, and then you sort of see the ball kind of ping-pong around within the six there, and it just unfortunately for New Zealand lands to the absolute right person at the absolute uh, worst time for them because Mallory Swanson just puts everything behind it And gets this into the back of the net. You could sort of see in her celebration the fist pump that she was just no way. There was just no way she was going to miss that with all that space in front of her.
0: No way Swanson was ever going to miss that. She's right at the PK spot. It lands to her perfectly, and she buries it, buries it. I I think you started this by talking about Emily Fox. It was 2v1 for Fox on the flank, and and she likes that challenge. She wants that. She wants to beat not one but two defenders, Um, and that's kind of how this unfolded. But for for Mallory Swanson, this is the start to 2023, the start to a World Cup year that Swanson – could only have dreamed of. A third goal of 2023 in two matches, third straight game with a goal for Swanson. She now has 28 career goals, breaking a tie with U.S. Soccer Hall of Famers Joy Fawcett, Shannon Box, and now she has sole possession of 22nd on the U.S. all-time scoring charts with that 28th goal. This is a career start for Mallory Pugh, and this is momentum that she needs to be gaining and picking up right now heading into a World Cup that's just a few months away. But this third goal in the 53rd minute from Swanson um, opened things up a little bit more for this team. We saw a lot more freedom. We saw them just picking Mm -hmm. apart New Zealand's back line, finding those holes, and understanding how all of this happened. Because the first goal And the second goal, the first one for Hatch in the opening 22 minutes, 23 minutes, and then this third goal were pretty much identical with like a great curling cross uh, behind the back line and then runners running into it. And and that's where the United States can find so much success getting those crosses in. And, And that's what we saw um, in the first 60 minutes, before we saw that 60 minute mark with the subs, <laughs> yeah. uh, the subs come waving in. I'm always like watching the clock. I I'm think, like, all right, 58, 59. You, who's warming up? Who's coming in? <laughs> I'm with you because like, I think
2: them getting that goal like in the opening 10 minutes of that second half. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, everything's everything appears to be going to to plan, right? Whatever the coaching staff had presented the team to to go out there and execute in this second game. Periodics to come to fruition. And I was like, okay, once, once that third goal happened and, and within the opening 10 minutes, I'm like, okay, I won't be surprised if we see additional substitutions mm-hmm. here, um, in the, uh, in, in this sort of hour mark. And, and we did. And then the beauty of, uh, the beauty of having the multiple substitutions is you get to see more players, uh, you know, in, in, action. And then we saw three players come off of three players. Come on. We got to see purse. We got to see uh, Christy Mewis. We got to see uh, Lynn Williams out on the pitch, uh, Trinity Robin, Ashley Sanchez and Ashley Hatch coming out. So it was a full Washington spirit uh, lineup change there with the players coming out. Uh, but I was excited to see Lynn Williams get some more time, on the mm-hmm. pitch here, I thought it was I thought it was good for for her to, to see some some more time coming in, and you know, uh, I think we got to talk about the most curious sub uh, uh, coming on in into this one. We saw Taylor Korniak get more time in this match, but not just any old rinky dink time. We saw Taylor Corniak come into this match to get more time. And that defensive number six role for Andy Sullivan, and that is the area that I want to talk to you about. What were what was your feelings when you saw some of these substitutions come on in?
0: Why wasn't Sam Coffee being substituted in? <laughs> that was my thought. I'm, not, <laughs> um, I'm not sugarcoating this for anyone. Why wasn't Sam Coffee being substituted in?
2: I don't know. Let
0: me let me get the coaching up on the phone. Hold on. Yeah, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. I, mean, I, I, I don't have answers for you, but That was that was my initial thing. I mean, we talked about Christy Mewis getting time in this game. We we both wanted to see her. We weren't sure if we sh- we w- we were going to see her. We didn't see her at all in the first game. Uh, we we talked about Margaret Purse. We wanted Midge Purse to get more time. She had a tremendous yeah. first forty-five minutes versus New Zealand in the opening match. I. I I wanted her to get significant times and coming in at the 60 minute mark for hatch. I I liked that. I really did like that rotation. We saw what hatch could do getting the opening goal. Um, I I think hatch also kind of had a chip on her shoulder being, being called back into this roster Um, and Lynn Williams coming in for Rodman. I think that was a good substitute. We wanted to see more of Lynn Williams. And I, I, I like Taylor Korniak. I do think she should be on this roster and I do think she will be on this roster moving forward, but I don't think that she it, is going to be in the sixth position. I mean, she, she brings something to that six that Andy Sullivan doesn't and, and uh, Sam coffee doesn't because she's over six foot and, and she does have very good foot skills to be able to navigate out of really tight situations. But I think the development of a player like Corniak in that six role is going to take a little bit too long. Yes. Yeah, she's got experience, more experience playing professionally than someone like a Sam coffee, but, Sam Coffey has the experience playing in that position more so than a corniac. Um, And I think Sullivan did well throughout the first 60 minutes of this game. I really did. I think I was pleased with Sullivan and what she could do, but um, I would have loved to see Sam Coffey in there with, Christy Mewis and Rose Lavelle at this point especially with Rose Lavelle in there playing a little bit deeper to see how Sam Coffey and Rose Lavelle could play um, deeper in the midfield together but I mean that was it that was my only thought about this substitute I was like okay great Williams great Mewis great for purse yep hash Sanchez and Rodman coming out but where the heck is Sam Coffey I hear you. I hear you on
2: that. Um, I think look, it's an. It's, I don't think it's an unfair point to bring up. I think it's an interesting point to 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 talk about. Um, I was curious if if we were going to see um, the impact from Korniak that you want to see in that position. We ended up seeing a huge impact by by Kordiak in, in this game. It was off of a set piece goal, which we'll talk about these two goals in a second. But I don't know if, if there were um any more additional questions that were answered in that particular role on the pitch, um, by giving you know Korniak an additional what was about a half hour at this point, so maybe mm-hmm. 70 minutes or so and then the role over the course of the two games. Um but there there were two two more goals that happened in, in this second half. Um we're talking about these substitutions because again these are players that made their impact for for these uh in these two final goals of the game. We saw Lynn Williams uh, get on out there and start to really make her, her presence felt. I I love that uh, she continued to develop her minutes um, uh, over the course of this second game. Uh, We saw at one point Rose Lavelle was just an absolute menace out there on the pitch and New Zealand just was really getting tired of it. And we sort of see at one point Lavelle kind of get stood up and kind of taken down to the ground. But then all of a sudden you see your, your winger get in for a fall as well, immediately following this sort of contact on on Lavelle and it's Lynn Williams, Lynn Williams with her first yellow of 2023 uh, stands up the falling player and earns a yellow. And in that sense, I was like, wow, what a, what a great defending Uh, Winger here. You love, you love to see it, but, but shortly after her arrival into this match, she provides an assist on the, on the fourth goal for, for Rose Lavelle, who made this ridiculous run into the box, um, a ridiculous left-footed kind of half volley situation going on. That was the other thing that some of the, a lot of these goals that were happening were just like really beautiful goals. Um, but yeah. Roosevelt continuing her amazing game in this second half. And then Taylor Korniak, the other sub coming in Roosevelt providing an assist on this one in the 80th minute, just six minutes later, a dead ball situation. We've got a kick, corner kick and, Listen, at that point of this stage in the game, you just lobbed it to the tallest person in the box, right? In that case, it's Taylor Korniak for the United States Women's National Team. And she
0: heads that one away and barely has to get any hops to do it. On the fourth goal um, scored by Rose Lavelle, the assist by Williams, the hockey assist was Taylor Korniak. Yeah. She's meant yeah. to being pretty deep in in midfield. She's right around the halfway line, and she's got her head up, and she sees space, and, and Williams wants that. Lynn Williams wants that all day, and it's a difficult ball bouncing in behind the back line as, as Williams is just racing it down as fast as can be, and, and she ends up just volleying it and centering it as a cross for Lavelle. So it wasn't maybe as clean as people would have liked or as, as the first – Two or three goals were as clean, uh, but th- it doesn't matter. Rose doesn't even hit it right, and it finds the back of the net. Those are you want to see pretty goals. You want to see the the build up plays that look like you drew it up, but you also want to see the messy ones, the scrappy ones that players are just doing what they can to get on the end of a ball. And that's how that fourth goal was: the assist from Williams and the goal from Rose Lavelle, and then Taylor Corniac's goal. I mean, it, it was the main aerial target is Corniac, and on this corner kick, she just. Rises above everyone and redirects it. Um, it. I mean, it. No one even guarding her. Essentially, at this point, um, it was really I think good. It was- she loses her defender. Though, like if you go back and watch the replay, it's not that New Zealand has two defenders on Corniac and she still ends up getting the ball. She does the work off the ball before the corner is sent into the box to oh, lose yeah. her defender. Created the she space, absolutely. Hard, and then she checks out back, understanding where the ball is going to go. And then she still uses um, all of her God-given talent and height to to jump up and redirect it. But there's a lot of off the ball work. And I think that's, I, that's why she was subbed into this game, those moments like that.
2: I think I refer to it as like she she barely needed to get any movement on it. she she barely needed to sneeze to to get any height yeah. on it um yeah it was cool to sort of see that there's that kind of a uh, bit of an X Factory type of um, uh, asset to this team you know as they move forward and in, in the build up to to the World Cup um I don't know I am curious if there was I am curious if there was enough. Within these two games, right within these 70 ish minutes uh, for the coaching staff to continue uh, utilizing Korniak in, in these roles. And I think perhaps, you know, maybe that's where it comes when we're looking at things in terms of the pool of players. What that maybe means for somebody like um, a player like Sam Coffee. So like this is a player that we desperately wanted to see get minutes in, in the in these in these two games. I know you're bummed <laughs> that we didn't, but I am. It does make me curious because at this point, if we're looking at the timeline, not only to the World Cup, but the timeline for some players who have been involved with this with this team. Like we're looking yeah. at. Uh, Naomi Gurma, who really started to get time with this team uh, in 2022 based off of her rookie season with uh, with San Diego Wave and really performing well in kind of what was considered at the time a little bit of a depleted uh, position due due to injury. Um, And then I think you also make the case for this number six role uh, for this team in the middle third. And you see somebody like Sam Coffey get involved, probably closer to around that uh, CONCACAF W championship, yeah, right? Someone who she I got was,
0: called in late. She got called it, in late due to an injury to Hatch.
2: Well, had also spent time in that June, that very brief right. June window in those friendlies against Colombia yeah. and got called in to July because this was a player that had spent time with them just before they left to Mexico. Um, yeah, but of sort of
0: the CONCACAF roster. She initially was No, no, no. It. No, no, yeah. no, no,
2: no, 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 no. She was not. She was not on that final roster. And I feel just sort of since then has kind of been a feature in some of these camps, but hasn't necessarily been given those minutes, right? So I am I curious think. if if there is something, if if there if there's enough here within these 70 minutes that the coaching staff is going to want to continue to see Corniak utilized in these roles, especially because of how she is providing in other areas when when the game calls for right. it. Um, But I'm also curious in terms of like, we're all, you're also looking at the cohesion of things moving forward at this point. So, uh, you know, you're, you're looking at who else is called in this game. You're looking, you're looking at, you know, we saw four Washington spirit players on this game and this, and this pitch together, you know, and we've got, you know, an Alex Morgan and a Taylor Corniak who played great football together. For, for the wave, you know, are, are, are all these contributing factors moving forward? And we heard coming out of these camps, and I guess that's where we're going to sort of close out this show now, Lisa, is, is general thoughts on this overall camp. Because something that we heard coming out of these two friendlies in New Zealand over the course of this January camp was that the coaching staff has narrowed down the pool once more. They, they went from about... A consideration of 40 players to now about, they said about 32. So I, I, you know, for, for you, I want to hear, like, what did you, what are your final, like, takeaways from these two games? And, and what would you sort of rate or what are you taking out of of this January camp for this team?
0: Uh, when I look at kind of what you were just talking about between Corniak and and Coffey and Andy Sullivan in there, Corniak and Sam Coffey are incredibly different players at the six, right? I mean, anywhere on the field, but at the six specifically, Taylor Corniak is going to give you that offensive presence. She's going to be aggressive um, and offensively minded throughout the game because she traditionally has played an eight or a 10 higher in the midfield. Whereas Sam Coffee is going to give you a little bit more stability defensively. Um, and maybe it's a little bit more out of her comfort zone to push up. So so much higher and contribute into the attack. Maybe something that we've seen historically with Andy Sullivan, who has sat back so much when Black Mononofsky is urging someone like Sullivan to push up higher. And Maybe that, that's a similar sentiment to what Coffee yeah. is doing. And when you look at the competition against New Zealand, um, the United States wasn't defensively tested, right? When you just like overall stats yeah. summary, 22 shots for the Americans, 0 for New Zealand. 10 shots yeah. on goal, obviously 0 for New Zealand. Um corner kicks 6 to 2. Yeah. Offsides 3 to 0. New Zealand didn't have any offsides, right? They they didn't even have those opportunities. So that's something if we go that back and listen,
2: if you go back and listen to the games the episodes that we did about this, we don't really talk too much about the defense in these games.
0: Exactly. So it's not, you're not going to play someone like a Sam Coffee to see how well they're going to do defensively in the six. You want to play someone to see how they're going to do offensively in the six. And we saw that with Taylor Corniak getting up, creating those spaces, um, getting double assists, getting goals in this game. We even saw it with Andy Sullivan and in her role being pushed a little bit higher out of that six. So the questions that were asked of these players were not so much, hey, how tight can you be defensively and, and compact? It was more how much can you control Tribute into the offense when you're in that sixth role. And I think that's something that Black Mononofsky was looking at specifically in these two friendlies and throughout January. Offensively, who is going to be our strength? Who is going to be our starting five in the attacking end? So that's the three forwards and then your two attacking midfielders and who's going to be the next players in rotationally coming in. Um, we also didn't see any time from a player like Haley Mace defensively. Um, and... That's something that I know you wanted to see. You had her listed on your roster coming into it. But I, I think what was learned in this January camp is that this team can turn it around from one friendly to the next and change their the way they start a game. You've got young players that... Um, maybe can play a role for you in coming off the bench and bringing that spark. But when given the chance to start, I'm looking at a Rodman, I'm looking at an Ashley Sanchez, no. they're going to bring it and they're going to prove you, which makes them more valuable as a player, perhaps as subs in the 60th minute when you you have World Cup competition and really tough competition. I, I think I was really pleased with Rodman and Sanchez. I think they made their point a little bit more on this roster as to why they should be there.
2: Oh, I'm with you. I think those are part of my bigger takeaways. I think out of, out of this camp, people probably write them already on, on, .com. but I think if nothing else, this coaching staff has started to um, really identify perhaps settle in on who their game changers are. Yeah. And, you know, I think for a, a while there, we are sort of seeing, what the ideal 11 could be for this coaching staff. So we even said like going into that first game, we were like, we would love to see, you know, player A, B, or C get time or get a start. But we think we're going to see the, 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 the tired old and true usual suspects of Haran and Lavelle and, and, and Sullivan. And we got a little bit of a combo breaker there with the introduction of of Korniak in this. So I thought if nothing else, It was cool to see that there's still some room for um, mix up here. Um, But I think over the course of the last, the previous six months, we've seen in that sort of ideal starting 11 in terms of the players that are available. Because again, there's players making their return from maternity leave, there's players that are making their return from injury. So there's a possibility that we're going to see that starting, that ideal starting 11 shift a little bit. So if nothing else, I think this coaching staff is starting to see who those game changers off the bench could, you know, be for actual locks for that World Cup roster. And I think you're, you're looking at players like Sanchez, you're looking at player like Trinity Rodman, you know, the, you have to start thinking about like, what are who are the players that I don't want to leave at home? Versus who are the players that you want to take? It's like no, it's like who are the players yeah. that you do not want to leave at home? Um, yeah. So I I'm, I liked these two friendlies. I think uh, they were important in terms of um, you know those those younger players who perhaps are still um, being asked to to leave their mark and being asked to to, to leave an impact on the coaching staff. Um, important for them to to get that experience in New Zealand in the event that they are named to that, that final world cup roster. Um, And it really makes me excited for she believes cup. I think that's yes. where I'm at right now. These two games make me really, really excited for Shivalisco. So another thing that I really liked about this January camp is not only did they announce it and they said there's going to be a six-day camp. It's going to be in New Zealand. Players are going to be able to, to get a chance to, to play in, in Auckland and in Wellington, right? Sort of mirror that group yes. stage for their group E draw. That part made me excited. But well, now that we've had these two games completed, it makes me really excited for Shiba Leaves Cups because not only did they announce that, they were really quick in announcing that they had the Shiba Leaves Cup locked up and they're going to face Brazil, Canada, and Japan. And I think that's the opportunity where you and I are going to get to talk a little bit more about some defensive looking things.
0: Huge, I agree. I think with Shiba Leaves Cup, around the corner. It kicks off February 16th with the U.S. against Canada. That is going to be a true, true test. And Black has to be thinking about the competition between Canada, Japan, and Brazil just a month away, under a month away for this team and these players. And as he has narrowed down his roster from 40-some to 30-some and understanding that at this point you can only bring 23 players to the World Cup, I'm, I will not be surprised if that's how many we see going to she believes cup if it's a smaller roster maybe 24 again we saw 24 on this january camp roster as one extra to see kind of what shakes out in training but you're right he has to be looking at this as who can i not leave home who cannot be staying at home um, because I might need them because I, I want their skills and what they bring to the table on this roster. That's something that is going to be really, really important to see. Um, and I think th- the competition is going to be very different against a Canada or Brazil, a-, a Japan versus a New Zealand. So maybe that plays a role into personnel. Like, are we going to see Korniak in the sixth still? I think <laughs> when we saw her twice in January there, we might continue to see her in the six. But how does that you know look what? different? against a Canada maybe we'll see Rose play a little bit deeper um in in that midfield we saw there are so many exciting things to come with this team and everything that's just around the corner and She Believes Cup is it's going to be real juicy real juicy. I'm I'm just like listening
2: to you and I'm like God I can't wait till we really get some episodes in on on She Believes Cup God could you imagine yeah let's start Taylor Cornier against Brazil and see what happens I can't I can't even think or swim it, we'll see. We'll see what happens. we are I know we're so excited about it. We're already teasing it a, a little bit. But um, look, 2023, it's here. It's official. It's in the books. January camp is a wrapped up. That's it for us on January camp at A3. Thank you all so much for listening to Attacking Third. We appreciate you joining us in the mornings whenever we go live. As always, download, follow, listen to us anywhere you get your podcast. You can watch us too. Subscribe at youtube.com slash attacking third like follow subscribe leave the comments we love to hear from you we appreciate all of the takes including yours so make sure you stay tuned and leave those comments we'll be back with so much more for sandra and lisa roman this was attacking Third.